Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. I want to thank you for joining us today as we continue talking about transformative parenting. That's the spiritual formation of children and teens, the type of formation that will survive and thrive in the midst of our darkening culture. I have some huge recommendations to make today to both parents and the parishes that are catechizing and spiritually forming children and teens. It might be a bit challenging today. ask you to pay very special attention. But if you want, basically in a nutshell, in two very short sentences, what I'm going to be talking about this broadcast, here's sentence one. Grace works. Sentence two, the law doesn't work. That kind of summarizes everything I'm going to be saying today. And not only does the law not work, but using the law or legalism or external compulsion as a means of spiritual formation for children, older children, particularly in teens, it's extremely counterproductive. If we just take a look at mass attendance for those who have reached early adulthood, that millennial generation, the first generation now to come of age in the 21st century, those born between 1979 and 1987. I hope you're sitting down. Only 17% of those millennial Catholics go to Mass every week. Only 17%. And even nationally, the statistics I've seen run from somewhere between 20 and 24% of Catholics go to Mass every week. And, you know, this is absolutely tragic. And if we look further, we can see that a number of things where Catholics are told they have a moral obligation to do something, that moral obligation is no longer motivating Catholics in general and young people in particular. And in previous broadcasts where I've talked about transformative parenting, I discuss that the emphasis on obligation, the emphasis on mandatory attendance, the use of words like must, required, and such don't seem to be motivating contemporary Catholics. Even when I've seen one parish, and this was a good parish, seeking to do the right thing since people didn't seem to be motivated to do the right thing, putting some of these words like mandatory in all caps. And yet, even with that, it's not motivating Catholics in today's world. And I'm going to be making the case today that the emphasis on obligation for sacramental preparation, for First Communion, confirmation, matrimony, uh, baptism preparation for young parents, even holy days of obligation— it may be a huge mistake to put the emphasis on obligation or mandatory. I'm not saying you can't make it mandatory or it can't be an obligation, but I'm talking about putting the emphasis there, because by doing so, it could be having a counterproductive effect. 
And let's just look at this. In the Old Testament, it was the giving of the law. This was the external compulsion method that God used before the New Covenant. In the New Covenant, God was going to transform the heart. That's where we get the name of this series for transformative parenting. It's transforming the heart of your child and teen. But in the Old Testament, it was dealing externally through the compulsion of the law. I've just asked the question, how well did that work? I'm just guessing here because the Bible doesn't exactly say, but you know, the law worked, my guess, for about five or six hours. That's it. I'm just guessing how long it took Moses to walk up the mount, and in that amount of time or less, Aaron was making an idol out of the gold that people had brought with them out of Egypt. Uh, the, the God's people who had been redeemed through the Red Sea, which is the precursor, the prefiguring of our baptism, were committing adultery and fornication— and breaking the covenant. Now, this isn't a funny story, because if your child has been spiritually formed by simply an emphasis on external conformity to legalistic norms, he or she may quit the practice of the faith within 72 hours after you drop them off in college. And this happens, and it's a direct consequence of being formed externally rather than being transformed internally. The key scripture for transformative parenting, which also happens to be the key prophecy for the entire New Testament, comes from Jeremiah 31 and verse 33, where God says, This is the covenant which I will make, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts. In other words, in the new covenant, God is going to work in such a way that internal motivation will be the key to finding obedient children of God, not some obedience to an external norm. And there's a companion scripture to Jeremiah 31, 33, and these are very important scriptures because, again, they summarize everything going on in the new covenant, the day in which we are living. This is from Ezekiel 36, and it's two verses. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27, God says, "'A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you.'" I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. So this is really what we want. This is the type of transformation we want for ourselves, for our children, for our teens, for our parishes, because in today's world, simply external conformity to some norm is not going to be enough to hold up against our darkening culture. We're going to need the power of internal grace that really sticks within our heart, that that will that's been placed in there by God to do the things that those who love God want to do. And it's a mistake 
that the early Christians made after being saved by grace, they wanted to run back under the law. And it's the same big mistake made by contemporary Christians. St. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, cursed the notions of those who are saved by grace, who are motivated by God's Spirit, wanting to then, after that, run back into the law. And then in his epistle to the Romans, remember, that epistle to the Romans was written to the very first Roman Catholics, he shows how extremely impractical it is to try to rely on the law for obedience, for conformity to the will of God, for living the Christian life. And this key, and this is kind of like a very deep psychological insight into how human motivation takes place and how the biggest mistake you can make in trying to motivate people religiously can be made. And I believe, I'm, I'm stepping on a couple of toes, but for the sake of our children and the future of the church, I'll step on the toes in saying that this mistake is being made in the average parish today. I'm not saying every parish by any means, but the majority, a significant majority of parishes, it's, it's being made. And why we don't want the, the primary emphasis on this external obligation, this legalism, comes from Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 5. St. Paul writes, While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions were aroused by the law. In other words, trying to force externally good things had a, a tremendous backfire effect. Legalistic compulsion resulted in rather in sin going away, the sinful passions, St. Paul says, were aroused by the law, bearing fruit for death. And then St. Paul says, I don't understand my own actions because there's a part of me I want to do the right thing, but I do the very thing I hate. But he says, now we are discharged from the law. That was the old covenant, dead to that which held us captive. So there's a sense in the inside of us that if the law is used as a tool of spiritual formation, it can create the very opposite of what is intended. It can literally stir up the very opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. I would dare say a real careful reading of Romans chapter 7, just verses 5 through 15, would be well, well in order. And compare Romans 7 to what I just read in Jeremiah chapter 31 about this new heart, Ezekiel 36, about God putting within us in the new covenant the will to do his good pleasure. And one reason why kids literally can walk away from the faith once they get away from you, maybe out of state at a college within hours or a few days of your dropping them off on campus, is because it's been the external spiritual formation rather than the internal. You know, one of my professors in seminary made a statement that took me almost 
20 years to fully comprehend and understand. And actually, I thought I understood it when he said it. But about two decades later, I came to see that he was saying, <laughs> he was saying something of such enormous importance that it took me, and I'm probably a slow learner, 20 years to comprehend. But I think I can share this with you in three minutes. And in these three minutes, it can literally transform your parenting. If you're a priest, this could transform your parish life. And I'm not blowing smoke here. This is literally transformative, okay? And first, I want to tell you what my professor said, but before I do that, just let you know who you're listening to. I'm Steve Wood, the host of Faith and Family, and we're talking about transformative parenting. Okay, here's what my professor said. He said, I have two favorite books in the New Testament, Galatians, which tells us that salvation is by grace. I knew that. Okay, got that. And then secondly, Philemon, grace works. Now, the first one I got, okay, Galatians, salvation is by grace. It's probably one of the strongest of the writings in all of the Bible about salvation is by grace. And by the way, the Catholic Church teaches that salvation is by grace. But what about Philemon? I mean, that's only one chapter. It's one of the three shortest books of the whole Bible, and it's about Paul writing to um, a man trying to basically ask him to be easy on a runaway slave that ran away and was converted and helped Paul and such. And Paul was basically asking for forgiveness for him. And I'm thinking, this is your second favorite book of the New Testament? Yes because it's one thing to hold salvation is by grace, which both Protestants and Catholics affirm. But believe me, it's another thing altogether to put that into practice. That's where the real rub is. And that's why my professor was so wise in saying he had two favorite books, not only that salvation is by grace, but how do you apply it in real and everyday family life and parish life, that's where the difference is made. Now, this little book, Philemon, is only 25 verses, but of those 25 verses, you only need to know six to transform your parenting or your parish life. And I really, really mean this. Six verses can transform this lousy attendance, this lousy participation, this lousy response to so many good things that your parish or you as a parent might want to offer your children. Here it is. Remember, St. Paul, the apostle, was writing a letter seeking basically a graceful reception of this slave, and he says in verse 8, Although I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. He had God's authority to just say, look, guys, this is what's up. It's mandatory that you receive Onesimus, this slave, back to you. But verse 9, yet for love's sake, I appeal to you, I, Paul, an ambassador and now a prisoner, for Christ Jesus. 
verse 10. I appeal to you. Second time, I appeal to you. I'm appealing to your heart. Verse 12, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart, heart to heart, relational, appeal, not command. This is the apostle who has all the authority and all of the ability, and quite honestly, he could command. He has every right to command, but he says in verse 14, I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own free will, because God in the new covenant has set the heart free, and Paul was going beyond the law. Paul was going beyond his apostolic authority. He was going for the power of God and God's grace to touch the human heart and basically upset a social norm, slavery. And then in verse 21, he closes out, confident of your obedience. (gasps) What will happen to my kids? What will happen to my parish if we start being gracious and appealing rather than compelling? Confident of your obedience. See, this is faith. I write to you knowing that you will even do more than I say. See, rather than this minimalist response like parents have to come to the confirmation class introductory meeting, okay, I'll come, but I'll skip mass during the whole time my child's in confirmation classes. See, you didn't get the heart. You got to get the heart. And it comes by grace, not by law, by appeal not by command, but it's faith that God's grace will work this. Now, the question needs to be asked, does this really work? Does grace really work as my professor claimed? Well, let's look at two mountains. Uh, The first one is the money mountain, okay? If you happen to be a treasurer like uh, my friend in a certain state, I'm not going to mention which state, uh, who's a finance guy, the treasurer or whatever, for a good parish with a great priest. I'm not going to mention exactly where, but he told me, here's the stats for the giving in his parish. 26% of parish families give nothing, zero. The next 36% of families give on an average $2 per week. So my question is, how's that working for you? I know a lot of parishes say, well, unless you use an envelope for giving, I'm not going to give you a sacrament, and you're obligated to do this and that, and how's it working? I was a member of a congregation. This was a Protestant congregation, my past, but the pastor was rather famous for quoting 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, where St. Paul said, each, and talking about giving, money, the money mountain, each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly, nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And let me tell you something, there's a very rare Greek word here for cheerful. It's the very word that in English we get hilarious from. God loves a hilarious giver, a joy-motivated, generous giver. And it was very interesting. 
Some people in that congregation were giving up to 75% of their income to that church. Hmm. That was working pretty well for that pastor. But see, it wasn't reluctantly, wasn't forced, wasn't under compulsion. It was tapping in to the grace of God. And what happens? The mountain moves. Now, I would dare say if you applied the Philemon principle just to parish giving, that it will improve. But if you use the Philemon principle throughout your parish life and your parenting life, it will cause not only giving but every other spiritual response to soar. Uh, let's, let's look at another mountain, maybe one of the biggest mountains uh, in the Catholic Church, at least in the United States, the birth control mountain. You know, when President Obama wanted to have birth control covered in his Obamacare mandate, Planned Parenthood said that uh, 98% of uh, uh, Catholic women use birth control, and um, Catholic uh, writers and bloggers and broadcasters were quick to point out it's only 80%. Well, you know, when I heard that reaction, it almost made me weep because I didn't think it was very good defense of the faith to hear that there's an 80% disaster going on in the Catholic Church. Because if you're listening to Catholic Radio, you know what a horrendous train wreck birth control has caused in marriages, in families. Uh, 82% of Catholics says it's morally okay to use. Now, I realize that uh, there were statements from pulpits during the Obamacare debates and such like that, and, you know, there's maybe a couple of mentions in most pulpits, but, again, there's some great exceptions. But in most cases, the voices are, again, silent in the majority of parish pulpits about birth control. You might ask, well, why the silence? I think it's pretty easy to figure out. It seems humanly impossible to bring sufficient pressure on Catholics to change their use of contraceptives. And yet, if you would simply appropriate the Philemon principle along with another principle, it's just like it. I call it the Philippians 2.13 principle. Philippians 2.13 simply says, God is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, it's not trying to force compulsion under something difficult for the human heart to do, because as St. Paul says in Romans 7, you might actually stir up sinful passions. You might stir up the exact opposite behavior of what you're intending. But if you use Philippians 2.13, saying God is at work in Christians, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And St. Paul could be deeply confident that rather than compelling with apostolic authority, he could appeal to the heart, and he could be confident that the response, the obedient response, would be even greater than if they simply conform to an external command. Now, I have done this with the topic of birth control with Catholic couples who never thought they wanted another child and who used birth control, 
as a result of a, of a one-minute prayer. If you go to our website, familylifecenter.net, I have a whole CD talking about that one-minute prayer, but basically I simply ask couples to say to God, if you want me stop using contraception, if you want us as a couple to have one more child, that you would place that desire in our hearts. And I have held several babies in my arms as a result of that 60-second prayer, using the principles from Philippians 2.13, God is at work within you, both to will and to do his good pleasure, using philemon rather than commanding, appealing to the heart, and urging response. I've given you a lot of Bible verses here, but but we need some because we're losing the battle, so to speak, for our own people, for our own children. Here's a verse that's over 2,500 years old, Zechariah 4.6. It was when the people of God were in a disastrous situation. The city had been destroyed. The temple had been destroyed. They had very few resources. They had to rebuild things. And this is what God said to the prophet Zechariah, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is the word of the Lord, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amidst shouts of grace, grace to it. That's how they're going to rebuild the temple. And Jesus, in very similar fashion in Matthew 17, said, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Grace works, and grace is the secret to moving stone-cold mountains in your parish, in your family, in the depth of your own heart, and in your child's heart. And all it takes is a pinch of faith in a power of God's grace moving the human heart. Yes, grace works, but I need to give you a final caution that all it takes to choke grace in a child's heart or in an adult's heart is external compulsion in religious affairs coupled with a dependence on the law, rules, regulations, and obligations for human motivation. Remember, the law doesn't work, but grace does. God says in Jeremiah 31, I will write my law on their hearts. He says in Ezekiel 36, I will give them a new heart. That's what you want for your child, for your life, and for your parish. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net. Hi, this is Steve Wood, and I sure hope you're enjoying and profiting from this new Podbean series you've been listening to, Transformative Parenting. I'd just like to let you know that we've put together a special MP3 CD 
with six episodes summarizing the entire transformative parenting series, and you can get it on a single MP3 CD. We've retitled it slightly, entitled Finding and Passing on a Personal Relationship with God, subtitled Transformative Catholicism. I really hope you would get this CD because I believe this information is really so important that you really aren't going to simply get it to implement it in your life and your family with just hearing it once. And also, I'm hoping that this, in a certain sense, excites you about your faith to a degree you want to share the information with your friends, neighbors, and family members. So simply go to dads.org and look for that transformative Catholicism CD, Finding and Passing on a Personal Relationship with God.